All right, well, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. That is our text today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you might may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Well, our Hebrews preacher and his auditors were no strangers, and I'm calling him a preacher here. You may be familiar, I know you are, with that convention. The writer, the preacher, as the case may be, Our preacher here and his auditors were no strangers to trials and sufferings. We've seen that through the book. Chapter 11, just before this one, spoke of faith triumphant to be sure, but also faith tried. And here our preacher recalls in a measure those of of 11, Abel, Enoch, Moses, Joshua, David, and the rest. We could talk about all those gentlemen and ladies in 11 Um, We can recall many others in the history of the church. We could think of uh, beginning with Ambrose, Augustine, Athanasius, and we're still in the A's. Uh, We could go throughout church history down to the present. Um, And you have your own witnesses, we might say, including families and friends to add into that number. The great cloud of witnesses at this point, right, at this point in the history of the church would include particularly the Old Testament saints, But then it also includes the New Testament saints as we go on. And as we say, all of these figures in church history. Now, this great cloud of witnesses, I don't think are so much, there's dispute about this as there is about so many things. Uh, They're not so much witnesses of us, figuratively speaking. Uh, Linsky sort of has them cheering us on. No, I think more particularly they're witnesses to us, these Witnesses in the great cloud are witnesses to us from the Old Testament, New Testament church history. Those who have gone before us have blazed the trail of faith for us to follow, a trail laid out by Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter, the beginning and the end, the sum and circumference of our faith. But what we see the preacher here telling us is that considering all these saints who have gone before in the scriptures, In church history, that great cloud of witnesses to us, the Lord urges all of you to press on, calling you to three things we're going to think about. First of all, lay aside hindrances and run the race. Secondly, look to and follow Jesus in faith. And lastly, learn endurance in all hardships. So lay aside hindrances, look to Jesus, learn endurance. You see, you you can shorten those points for the second time through. And maybe they're in the bulletin. So maybe they're still with you at this point, hopefully. Lay aside hindrances, we say, first of all, and run the race. Well, the metaphor here that our writer is using is athletic. And it's a common sort of metaphor, right? Paul, I'm not saying Paul is the author. I'm saying Paul commonly uses Athletic metaphors, you can think of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He likes these athletic 
metaphors. And here, what would be in view is that you can't run a race, you don't run a race properly with excess baggage or weight. Now, sometimes when people are training for races, maybe you've seen them on on the race course, the quarter mile course, and sometimes they'll be carrying weights or something. Because when you do that, that helps prepare you, that strengthens you. And then when you put them down, wow, you feel light and you can run the race. And so we lay aside every weight. You condition yourself that this will follow. We'll have a, uh, we'll have a, the firm believer and do some exercises. No, um, <laughs> you condition yourself. You slim down, right? You, you dress lightly. I mean, you look at Look at runners on a course. They dress lightly. The Greeks took this to a rather of an extreme. You may be familiar. Um, but you need to lay aside whatever hinders and doesn't help you in the running of the race. You need to lay aside whatever hobby, employment, time taker. Not that you can't enjoy or do them, but it must not take that center place. TV, sports, shopping, films, internet, music. Things that if they keep you from your service to Christ in your personal walk with him and you're serving him in your family, in your ability to serve him publicly. So I've just talked about worship secretly, privately and publicly. Lay aside not only the weights that hold you back, notice what the text says, but especially sin which clings so closely. Some things weigh us down, texting, online shopping, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, you can fill in the blanks. But sin entangles our feet and brings us down, causing us to stumble and fall. Now, some see weights and sins as the same thing here, and I'm not saying that obviously giving oneself unduly to what I'm calling distractions or hobbies or whatever the case may be, uh, can obviously turn into a sin. Um, But I think we can think of of two different kinds of things being mentioned here. Distractions and things that are clear sin. Not so much besetting sin here uh, as some would understand that. Of course, there there is often sin that particularly bedevils us That's not excluded, but I think what's meant here by sin more broadly is the flesh. Sin as a principle, the old man to which we're to die as we live to righteousness as new men and women in Christ and die to sin. One commentator said, though, sin is sticky. It's it's, it's attractive in an initial way, and we often believe the lie Thomas Brooks talks about this quite nicely. He says, you know, the sin and the devil has this habit of showing us the bait and hiding the hook so that we go just like the fish. So we go for the bait and a hook. And it looks so good, but now here we are. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep doing that. <laughs> it's sticky. It's hard to let go. These witnesses to you of chapter 11, I think, speak about laying aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. You say, well, wait a minute. They're, look at chapter 11. There's people like Samson in it, people like David in it. They failed, didn't they? We know what their sins were. They languished. They fell behind in the race. Maybe you have, perhaps lately. But being persons of faith, Samson 
was a believer. David was a believer. Being persons of faith, they repented and they knew God's gracious forgiveness by the blood of the Lamb. I encourage you to as well. Have you been giving way to hindrances, perhaps distractions or or clear sins? All of this is being called upon. Lay this aside. It's never too late for faith and its accompanying grace, repentance. I remember somebody particularly talking to me once and saying, Pastor, I think it's just too late for me. I've just sinned too much. And I said, no, it's not. And he said, how do you know? I said, you're here talking to me. You've still got breath. Call on the name of the Lord. Call on Him. So the Lord is more ready to forgive and receive than you are to come to Him. Lay aside hindrances and run the race. In any case, get right back up and into the race when you fall. Well, let's just remind ourselves, what is this race we're talking about? It's the life that you're called to live in Christ. That's a way that Scripture often speaks. It speaks in those terms about the Christian life. It's a life of faith, a life of joy, of triumphs, of trials, of sufferings, even persecution, all of which is in Hebrews, as was true for all of those who have gone before and for you. Grace, as the hymn writer said, has brought you safe thus far, and grace will lead you home. So you're called to run the race, and we'll see this more just in the last point, but with endurance... Because he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. And I want to say, I I want to bring endurance in just here to say, maybe you are waiting for this, this race, since that's the metaphor, is it's not a hundred meter dash. It's not even a mile. You knew where I, you knew this was coming. It's a marathon. The race you're in, the race of the Christian life is a marathon. If that makes you faint, And like, I know and it's killing me. If that makes you faint in hearing such and to feel weak, then you're just in the right place to become strong. That's where you need to be. You need to be, you need to feel, as it were, the heaviness of things so that you come to Him. You who labor and are heavy laden. It's the only way. Those are the only people that ever come to Him. Those are the ones who come. And think also what the hymn writer says, the only fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. How is your weakness to be dealt with and your sense of need met? Second point, look to and follow Jesus in faith. Even as you lay aside the hindrances and run the race, look to Jesus. Faith, this whole book sets forth, I think, is is looking to Jesus, resting and trusting in Christ alone. I I have a lot to say about that because, you know, the sermon, I give probably 35 minutes for this. We're not taking that for this. So there's a lot I'm not saying here. But the just shall live by faith. You all know that comes from Habakkuk 2.4. But a few have observed it gets taken up, especially in three books of the New Testament. That, That same statement is found in Romans and Galatians and Hebrews. And I think it's been not wrongly observed by a a renowned preacher, that there's a kind of focus on the just in Romans and shall live in Galatians and by faith in Hebrews. 
That really is the watchword of the book. Faith, you all know, consists of three parts. We'll even just skip the Latin. But knowing who Jesus is biblically, right? Believing that record that we find in, the God, in God's Word as it's preached and read and trusting in Him, that last element, trusting in Him. Again, I have some illustrations for this and you're like, oh, I'd like to hear this. Sorry, not now. But you do need to illustrate this for people and the smart people will come to you and say, that breaks down. Well, of course it breaks down. These analogies, these illustrations, they all break down because we're talking about the incomprehensible God. And so, but... But people need to have, they need to think about what it, what is trust? What is that? Because we don't have an intellectualized understanding of faith, Gordon Clark notwithstanding. Paul looks away, put it this way, Paul looks away from even his law keeping. He says in Philippians 3.8, I have a righteousness which is not through my keeping of the law, but is through faith in Christ. Faith is essentially looking away from all that you are, have, and do, and looking to none other than Christ. So this is, this is the really good news. As you think about the laying aside the hindrances and the weights and the marathon, you should delight, and then in it all, you do and can and should look to Jesus. Have you been looking elsewhere Look to Jesus Christ alone. We could talk about the elsewhere. Even though the saints, notice this, even though the saints witness to us, we neither look or pray to them. We're talking about that great cloud of witnesses and Calvin makes one of his characteristic, brilliant kinds of observations here. He says, we look at this great throng, but we don't look to them. We don't look to the saints. We look at the saints and we're grateful. We only look to Jesus. We only look to Jesus. And this Jesus is the founder and perfecter of the faith. Some omit our, the faith. I have a, a lot to say about the person and work of Christ with respect to that, but we won't. So just know it's there. We both look to and follow Jesus in this faith. We follow him in his humiliation. He came below. He was in his humiliation until his resurrection. He entered into his exaltation. And we are now in our state of humiliation until our resurrection. It was such a state for him because he both added humanity to deity. That was the first part, you might say, and he further humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of a cross. That's how low he went. He endured the cross despising the shame. Again, this is what our text is talking about. So we're now in our humiliation following after him. We're to endure the cross. Yes, there's shame. We're reviled. We're harassed. We're put upon. But even in his shame of humiliation and the shame of his humiliation, he had joy he endured and was able to endure the cross with all that that meant, and it meant something terrible. We know that. Everything that led there, all the shame and indignity, as one has said, his life was a perpetual Gethsemane, but he was able to endure it because of the joy set before him. Because of the joy set before him. The joy on the other side of his resurrection. 
the joy of salvation accomplished and then applied by the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit. This triumph, the anticipation of which brought joy, and why ought we to have joy? Because of this hope. He realized uh, this joy is realized in His session. He's now in session at the right hand of the Father. He's both reigning from there as our King, and He's ever living to make intercession for us as our great High Priest. I remember being really discouraged when I was in history graduate school at William and Mary because of all the opposition to the Christian faith that I was just facing all the time and hearing the words from the last section of Messiah intoned uh, on a Sunday afternoon by Joan Sutherland. He makes intercession for us. He makes intercession for us. And it was just, I had such a sense of yes, we're in the battle. I'm in the battle, but he's praying. He's praying for me. So the Lord who calls you to lay aside hindrances and run the race, look to and follow after Jesus in faith, urges you finally to learn endurance in all hardships. This is what's been urged all along in the book of Hebrews. In this passage, you're to endure in this race. Note that he, the Lord of glory, endured as none other ever did. Hughes speaks about the utter loneliness of Jesus on his earthly course. Maybe you sometimes feel lonely and misunderstood. Look to Jesus. I mean, nobody, we often feel like nobody understands our plight or cares. But actually other people do. Not really with him. They couldn't begin to understand him. They had no basis for understanding him. And this is what he did for you. He endured from sinners such hostility against himself. He was no sinner in any sense. Deserved no opposition, no hostility, quite the opposite. As the darling of heaven, he deserved only praise, honor, and glory. But he came out of the ivory palaces, scented with cassia and aloes, his garments into a world of woe, as the old gospel hymn says, where he was not only not honored, but he was reviled, his beard was plucked out, he was spat upon, he emptied himself of heavenly glory. This is the hostility that he endured, utterly undeserved. We're not the king of glory. We can't say we never deserve any kind of opposition. But he didn't, and yet he took it. And he took it and did not revile in return. But he went to the tree, and what did he say there? And you can, I always think about the, the thief who believed. He heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do that? I mean, I would imagine I'm thinking about my, my, here are my tormentors. Damn them all. I mean, really? Yeah. That's, I mean, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, this is, this is unearthly. This is heavenly. Because he endured in this way, we need to learn from him and not grow weary or faint-hearted in our trials. And I have a, a nice little Milton's sonnet here. It's three points and a poem. But we're not going to get the Milton sonnet either, so sorry. Faith, that which enables waiting and endurance, is not some cold impersonal property by which we're taken home. The heart of faith is trusting in Christ here and hereafter. It's by this personal, ever-renewed act that we know the blessing of endurance. I remember one of my professors in seminary was asked, what's the secret of the Christian life? 
And he said, looking to Jesus and keep doing it. (laughs) Perseverance. Keep looking to Christ. Well, his church knows this providential care until he returns when faith becomes sight, when hope is realized, and when love, the greatest of all, fills our horizon as never before, when we see our Savior face to face, until then, until the Lord returns. Lay aside every hindrance and run the race, looking to and following Jesus in faith and learning endurance in all life's challenges. Amen. Our Father, we do pray that you would encourage us by these words. We pray it in our Savior's name. Amen.